Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Call Michael now. 041-983-2000. The Michael Reed Show, brought to you by AirGrid, managing and planning the national grid so that everyone has electricity when and where they need it. Monday morning, the 4th of December. Good morning. With much debate and discussion from now till 11am, this is Michael Reed on LMFM. As you've been hearing on LMFM's news, Louth County Council has been directed by the Office of the Information Commissioner to conduct a thorough search for records that were initially requested by LMFM, documents the local authority failed to discover. The decision of the Information Commissioner will come as a dreadful embarrassment for Louth County Council and indeed for local government in Ireland. In a statement to LMFM today, the Council says that Louth County Council does not have a comment on this matter currently and it says the decision of the Office of the Information Commissioner is being reviewed for any actions that are required. It's a very interesting statement really because the actions required of the Council are that it takes the necessary steps so that in future Louth County Council acts in line with the law. The law, the Freedom of Information Act, requires bodies such as Louth County Council to discover all of the documents it possesses when it receives a request for records under the Act. It may discover documents that for various reasons it decides not to disclose, but as a matter of law, it must discover all of the documents it has in its possession. In this instance, Louth County Council failed abysmally. What we are talking about today is documents sought under the Freedom of Information Act by the Michael Reid Show on LMFM from Louth County Council. We were not happy with how the council had responded to us. We knew that the council possessed more documents than it had discovered. We knew this because we had copies ourselves of a large number of documents that Louth County Council failed to discover. So we sought an appeal. Louth County Council advised us we could appeal to the Office of the Information Commissioner, but they gave us the wrong address for the Commissioner. They also gave us incorrect fee details. The Council has since apologised to the Inspector for these errors. This programme has not received any apology from Louth County Council, however. The story itself began in May when Maeve Yore, an independent councillor, tabled a motion to Louth County Council for its meeting in June. That 
motion called on the local authority to rescind the freedom of Drada from Brother Edmund Garvey. This was because Garvey, who had the award bestowed on him in 1997, was also the person who introduced and presided over a legal strategy Christian brothers have been using to delay and deny middle-aged men who were sexually abused and raped when they were little boys by members of the order from accessing justice. The motion was never debated, however, because the CEO of Louth County Council moved unilaterally to remove the motion from the agenda. This programme said Joan Martin was acting outside of her remit, that she had no right to pull the motion and that a decision like that was a reserved function enjoyed by county councillors. We put that to Joan Martin, who never responded to us. Joan Martin was also reported to have said that the motion to take the honour away from Garvey was defamatory and could result in Louth County Council being sued by Garvey. We said nonsense. And to prove our point, we asked Maeve Yore to read her motion on our programme. If Joan Martin had have been correct, LMFM would have been sued. If the legal advice she says she received was correct, LMFM would have been sued. LMFM wasn't sued. And we continue to question the basis for Joan Martin pulling that motion. We contend that she did not have the authority to pull the motion. And we also contend that her basis for pulling the motion was bogus because we do not believe that the motion was in any way defamatory. In fact, we read the motion on air ourselves on several occasions. So why was the motion pulled? We don't know. There is no logical explanation for it and as Louth County Council would not say why the motion was pulled other than to say that they were doing so because of the legal advice that they had received, we sought ourselves to find out why. Now that's why we submitted our Freedom of Information request. So here we are, six, seven months on from requesting documentation and Louth County Council has been directed by the Commission to go back and do a fresh search, to do the job properly, to look for all of the documents that it possesses, like the ones we have copies of that they couldn't find, and any other documents that perhaps we don't have, to ask all of their staff if they have any documents, and not just documents, but also emails, texts, WhatsApp messages, etc. That's what they are required to do by law. That is not what Louth County Council did and that is why the Information Commissioner has ruled against Louth County Council and in favour of your local radio station LMFM. Seamus Dooley is uh, the Irish Secretary for the National Union of Journalists, the NUJ and joins us now. And a very good morning to you Seamus uh, and thank you indeed for joining us on the programme uh, this morning. I-, I think I'm right in saying the NUJ welcomes this decision. Yes and I suppose the first thing I would say is the NUJ would welcome the uh, the determination uh, of the information commissioner uh, and I would hope that the county council would not exercise its legal right to appeal on this um, I think that um, it is important that local government uh, operates not just within the letter but also within the spirit of freedom of information legislation here we have a situation where the local authority has been banged to rights by the information commissioner and that's important to say that uh, but the NUJ 
ha, was directly involved in campaigning for Freedom of Information uh, Act. Uh, I was directly involved in lobbying on the not just on the current act, but also on the when it was amended on the reform of the original legislation because it had been pulled apart. This is a very significant uh, determination uh, because at the heart of it of a good FOI regime is a proper and transparent system of storing and releasing information. And what ha- happened here was that the requester uh, made, in, made an inquiry. It happened to be a media inquiry. It could be a member of the public. Um, and was told that records they didn't release and then they were magically appeared. That's not acceptable and that's concerning and I think that that's very clear from the determination. Right. Are you surprised that it's a local authority in this circumstance, Louth County Council, uh, that has not acted in accordance with the Act? Well, I would expect every, I would expect every uh, body covered by the FOI to act within it. Uh, There are, you know, the NUJ is somewhat frustrated by the way in which many organisations operate the Act. So I'm not going to single out an individual local authority. Obviously, this is an authority which has been found to be in breach of the Act. So therefore, you know, they, they stand indicted on that. But this is sadly not unusual. There is currently a government review in, uh, uh, of the FOI legislation. That is long, publication of that is long overdue. Um, I suppose where I'm coming from on it, Mike, is that uh, much of the information that people request on their FOI should be freely available without even having to go through the bureaucratic um hurdles that are involved in making an FOI request. But when you do go through those hurdles, you are entitled to expect that you will have access to the information within the parameters provided under law. And it's not acceptable um, that there are breaches of this type. Um, What is important is that the Information Commissioner acts independently and has made this determination. I also would point out that Media organisations do not have finite resources, either in terms of time, money or personnel. So to put some time, as your station and programme has done on this occasion, into a request and find that information has been withheld is disturbing. We want a situation where to, where FY requests are made and dealt with in a thoroughly professional manner with the minimum of bureaucracy and with the uh, maximum amount of honesty and transparency. The decision of uh, the Information Commissioner is formal and binding on the Council. It has, as you say, a right to appeal this to the High Court over the course of uh, the next four weeks. Uh, but assuming it, it doesn't, uh, is there any consequence for Louth County Council? Uh, there's not. There's not under the current regime. There's not a consequence as such, uh, other than I suppose having their wrap, their knuckles wrapped, uh, and hopefully le- lessons learned from it. What I would say is that the most useful uh, thing that could happen now is that t- taxpayers' money is not used on an appeal to the High Court by the local authority. Uh, there's no, in, you know. So what I would hope is that the the, the uh, independent. Uh, 
determination of the information commissioner is respected and that the local authority would confirm that they're not making an appeal uh, and you know i think what in those circumstances it's a question of drawing a line under it and hoping that lessons will be learned from it yeah. uh, and and if they are that will be very welcome mm, and when requested for documents uh they look for them uh, because uh, it, it seems clear from the investigators comments that they didn't ask staff if they may have had documents relating to this FOI request. Yeah, I mean, I'm conscious of the fact that, you know, there are systems failures in all organisations and there but for the grace of God go all of us. What is important is that where system uh, failures are identified, that they be addressed uh, and that there's not a repeat. The, you know, whether or, you know, I, I'm new to the subject today, uh, I think that it is important now that uh, the council carries out its own investigation and puts in, ste- in place measures to ensure that this doesn't happen again. Mm. The act is very, the act is very clear and was always clear. There is a onus on ensuring that information is made available uh, and that it is made, that it is but you know, it is stored, it is made available, and every effort is made to ensure that all information is released. Uh, that That's the point. And, you know, large organisations and even small organisations can find FOI uh, troublesome and tiresome and, you know, all the rest of it, but it is the law of the land, and mm. it is part of the fabric of our public administration. Uh, to repeat what I've said earlier, mm-hmm. FOI, though, is not just about uh, rules and bureaucratic procedures. It's also about an ethos of government. It's about the concept that information held by public bodies is public information which you are entitled to request, whether you are a member of the public, whether you're a member of the media, whether it is convenient or inconvenient for the person holding the information. So what we need is a commitment on the part of the council to the ethos of uh, freedom of information and everything else flows mm-hmm. from that. And I'd be hopeful that lessons will be learned from this at, at a senior level and that uh, structures will be put in place to ensure there's not a repeat of this. Indeed, and all the more important, I would have thought, for local government to understand and respect the law and uh, to implement uh, the law for that matter. One of uh, the more curious parts of it all is that whilst we all have a right to request this information, Uh, we may not be happy with the answer that we get and then we get the opportunity to uh, appeal the decision. Uh, In this case, the appeal was made to to the Office of uh, the Information Commissioner. Uh, But when Louth County Council told us that we had this right to appeal, they gave us the wrong address for the Commissioner and the wrong amount that was uh, due uh, as a, a fee. That seemed pretty remarkable and as the investigator in this noted, we asked how many people had been given the wrong address and never actually had their cases appealed. I'm not going to comment on that because I don't know the facts around that matter but sure. uh, it shouldn't happen uh, and uh, clearly 
uh, in terms of lessons that are, are to be learned, they're clearly you know that that information should be clearly and visible there for everyone. I mean that 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 is a an important function. One of the issues that I think uh, we had we have asked for uh, in uh, in our submission to the review is a greater resourcing of. Uh, Freedom of Information units very often, and I'm not familiar with the position in the County Council, but very often FOI is seen as not being integral to an, uh, individual organisations. And it is important that resources are put in place, training is put in place, and that those who are, in, you know, who are required to do this job are given the time, resources, and training, and have a clear understanding of the act, and that that includes mm. a knowledge of of the appeals process. Do you believe that amendments uh, can be made to the legislation, which would make sure that bodies like Louth County Council respond appropriately to media outlets like LMFM in the future? I, I think we're talking about two things. I think we we there are a variety of procedures. Some of it is legislative, some of it is procedural, and some of it, in fairness to local authority workers, is actually a question of resourcing. It's a question of ensuring that, you know, at times of cuts in public service, that there are no shortcuts uh, in uh, FOI departments, that they are seen to provide a, a vital service and that FOI is properly resourced and remains a priority. It is important. I suppose it is also useful to remember that the person who pioneered uh, freedom of information legislation and indeed ethics council legislation, uh, ethics uh, legislation, uh, Francis Fitzgerald, and start that sentence again. The person, the politician who pioneered freedom of information was Etna Fitzgerald, uh, and for having topped the poll in the previous election, lost her seat and the public showed great ingratitude on that occasion. FOI is not seen by politicians as being a vote-getter, but it is enormously important, in my view, in terms of the understanding of local and central government and in the right, it's important for citizens in order to know what's going on or in their own country. And that that's why it's so important. Mm. And that's why I would welcome this determination. Okay. Uh, and in this case, we're talking about Louth County Council, but uh, I think there's some fraught relationships between local authorities around the country and some of uh, the local radio stations uh, and local media outlets, the newspapers and so on, for that matter. Seamus, uh, I, I would have thought that the relationship between a local authority and local media is very important or should be very important and both should see each other uh, as uh, ways that they can carry out what their jobs are all the more effectively. Well, uh, there are two schools of thought on that. I think that there should be a close but uncomfortable relationship between local media and local authorities. Uh, I think that both serve the public interest, but serve the public interest in different ways. Uh, and I think that it is important that there is a degree of tension. It is understandable that occasionally either local authority management or members may resent the expo- the, the activities of local media. But actually, the existence of a free press and the existence of free radio and television is vital to democracy. So if there is a tension, uh, the tension arises from the fact that sometimes it is the function of the media to make life uh, uncomfortable by asking difficult questions. Uh, but difficult though questions may be when it comes to issues such as freedom of information, 
the reality is there's a process there. There's a legal obligation to follow the process in the same way as local authorities are obliged to work within the planning acts or the acts governing uh, the development plan uh, or any other myriad of functions that they're required to carry out under statute. Under statute, as you say, it is a matter of law, but we leave it there for the moment and thank you indeed for joining us uh, this morning. Seamus Dooley is the Irish Secretary of the National Union of Journalists, the NUJ. 086-1800-658 The Michael Reed Show, brought to you by AirGrid. Managing and planning the national grid so that everyone has electricity when and where they need it. Let me bring you some of uh, the comments coming to us uh, this morning. A number of people in touch already. Paddy Duffy about uh, the war saying what's going on in Gaza Strip right now is pure bloodlust by this particular Israeli government who failed to protect their citizens from the cruel Hamas attack on the 7th of October. I can't find another word more appropriate for it. Bloodlust. Netanyahu has to be held to account for this and they have to be stopped right now, says Paddy. I wish some of us uh, could come up with a suggestion as to how to do that, Paddy. Uh, and I kid you not. Thank you indeed uh, for your message to the programme. Somebody else in touch saying uh, you'd have a, a pain in your face. Loud County Council uh, never learns anything. This kind of thing is going to continue. Uh, we'll come back to that in a moment. Somebody else uh, in touch with us about a, a totally separate issue and that of GP fees, which features heavily in the Irish Independent today. This is Sylvia in Ashburn who says she pays €65 to see her GP can't believe that some people in the country pay as little as €26 it is their GP's electricity their light their insurance etc cheaper than mine she wants to know well it is a a remarkable difference of between €50 for some people €26 to €75 depending on where you live uh, and who the GP you're seeing is I suppose according to that article in the Irish Independent today uh, with David Drogheda saying, are you saying Louth County Council has broken the law? What is the law worth or does it have any value if local government doesn't obey the law? And Karen and Dundalk appalled to think that Louth County Council should show, could show sh- such disregard for the law. John on the phone to us saying, it's not today or yesterday that Louth County Council has been refusing to give people information they were entitled to. John says he had to contact them several times and threaten them with the Freedom of Information Act before he was given the information that he needed. It is the law and they should be providing whatever information is requested. We'll we'll stay with that story for another few minutes because uh, what motivated Loud County Council uh, and what was on their mind when they breached the Freedom of Information Act was something that we tried to find out. We wanted to know why Joan Martin had pulled a motion, an action that was not in line with another piece of legislation, a separate piece of legislation. But we'll come back to that in a moment because the meeting that we're talking about, council meeting, was in June and the motion was pulled before that at another meeting. This took place before the county council met for its full meeting in June and the Cahirlick of Loud County Council, Conor Keelan, was telling me in June that he was shown a draft agenda for the meeting. I uh, I asked a question pertaining to the uh, to the relevant motion, and I uh, was informed that it was going to be removed from the agenda. And um, uh, I, I I asked why, and um, 
I was told that it was that it was a farm tree and um I asked questions with legal advice and um uh I was told it had been sought and it had been received and um but it was not being shared. And um I uh I asked um would I see it and I was told I would not and um that um also the other councillors wouldn't see it either. And um uh including the audit motion. So that was one of the reasons why I was unhappy with the um, with the actions. Conor Keelan was unhappy and little wonder. The CEO, Joan Martin, was pulling the motion without any consultation with the Cahirlock. She wouldn't even let him see the legal advice she said she had received. What's all the more galling is that Joan Martin, the CEO, did not have the right to unilaterally pull the motion. An action of that sort is reserved uh, reserved function of uh, the councillors. And let's not forget that this was uh, the motion asking the council to write to the Christian Brothers condemning a legal strategy they were using to stop men who were sexually abused and raped when they were very young boys from accessing justice. The motion also called on the council to rescind the freedom of Drogheda from the man who had introduced and overseen the use of this legal loophole, Brother Edmund Garvey. The Cahirlock did not believe the motion was defamatory. He believes it was wrong to pull the motion. In fact, he would have voted in favour of the motion if John Martin had not decided to pull this herself and stop an important issue from being debated and voted on. I've been contacted in advance by some of the uh, by some individuals who had been um, affected by that issue and um, uh, I told them that I would support the motion um, if it went to full council uh, and was and was heard. So um, this is then I, I discovered it was going to be pulled uh, from the agenda, so um, I uh, I expressed my unhappiness with it, and also the fact that legal advice, which had been sought, was not going to be circulated either. The legal advice Joan Martin says she got that led to her pulling the motion on the grounds it was defamatory is very questionable. That's why we asked the council, could we see the advice that had been given to them? They said no, it's privileged. So we read the motion on the radio, we read it again and we read it on a a third occasion to emphasise the fact that we did not believe we were slandering anyone and how it was inconceivable that any legal opinion could consider how the motion in itself was defamatory. It wasn't just us who said it. James McGuill was very clear when the solicitor told us he did not believe that it was defamatory. I asked what was legal advice and also would it be shared and I, and I was told it would not be. I'm reading it on the radio uh, and it's the second time. We're, we're, we're not allowed to read out defamatory statements on the radio. I don't believe it's defamatory. Uh, you would have a, a very good understanding of legal matters, wouldn't you? Well, to be a counsellor, you have to have a, certainly some rudimentary knowledge of the of the law. Yes, and mm. um, and and do you believe also, it is defamatory? Uh, it must be said that I wasn't present at that meeting uh, due to the fact that I contracted COVID, as it happens. So I wasn't there at present. So I didn't have to. So in the event if the motion had been there, I wouldn't have had to rule on same. One big question is. Why would Joan Martin not share her legal advice with the Cahirlick when she had no problem doing exactly that a month earlier? The previous month, uh, legal advice had been sought um, on same motion, uh, but it had been shared uh, with... Um, it had been shared to myself and had been shared to um, uh, with Councillor Yaw on that occasion. On the first occasion, I was given... Uh, 
a copy of Threatened Advice. Okay. And uh, uh, my uh, soul was cancer. You always give me a copy of the same. Okay. And uh, uh, on what basis was it considered to be defamatory? It was stated by officials that it was considered defamatory. That was legal rights they received. Did you say that you saw legal advice in May? There was a concern was raised in that legal advice that it could be um, that, um, for instance, I was informed that uh, if the motion went to the floor, that I would have to raise a concern with the members that if they commented on the motion, um, not having privilege as exists in the office, that they could potentially open us up to uh, legal okay. uh, problems. What you're telling us there now is the legal advice is that the motion in itself is not defamatory. But the concern of the firm of solicitors was that if it was to be debated in the chamber, it could result in one of the members saying something defamatory. Well, that was one of the main issues, yeah. Okay, but that would be uh, for you as the Cahirlock to decide uh, uh, and to rule upon uh, and indeed to uh, control during the debate. Correct. Now, um, you received a diktat, did you not, from... Uh, the CEO, that this motion was not going to be debated? It was their opinion, shall we say, that it wasn't going to be debated. It was the opinion shared around the room. But you disagreed. You disagreed with that. I disagreed with it, And you said you were unhappy. Yeah. And you wanted the motion to be on the council agenda. I felt in the issue of consistency. And do you believe that that, uh, how all of that turned out, that the CEO uh, decided to pull the motion uh, uh, against your will. Do you believe that that is in line with the Local Government Reform Act, which suggests that the role of the chief executive in a matter like this is to advise and assist and to do no more than to advise and assist? In other words, could have advised you that this could end up being defamatory if people said something uh, that we don't know they're going to say at this stage, uh, but it was up to you to make the ultimate decision. The councillors have the power to put forward motions or otherwise. I put forward those questions or otherwise. You know what I mean? Um, because our powers have been eroded consistently over the past number of decades and increased power has been given to chief executives all around the country. Um, and to custom house as well. So, like, do do councillors have the power anymore to actually raise a motion and say what they want in said motion? Or are motions going to be then ruled out of order for various reasons? And the, the particular councillor who raises an motion is not going to be actually given legal advice for a particular the legal opinion. Okay, and but they, they, informed they, they, that the matter is potentially. The but isn't that up to the council, meaning the councillors to decide to proceed or not? Uh, isn't, that is my view. That isn't, is my it, isn't it a reserved function of the councillors? Isn't well, that it is true? My opinion. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It, isn't it true to say, you're, you're agreeing, I understand that, isn't it true to say that the chief executive should not be able to overrule the councillors on a reserved function of the councillors and that in this situation it appears that that is exactly what happened. Like, if a motion is put back on an agenda, on the submitted agenda, if it's proposed and saying that the motion should be heard. That's my opinion. It's up then to the councillors whether there's a vote taken or otherwise and whether it's supported or not. Yeah, I think you could go so far as to ask, what's the point in having elections? We'll be voting in June in the local elections and we'll be selecting who we want to represent us on local government. 
but what's the point in having those uh, elections if the elected councillors can't table a motion? Conor Keelan was uh, the chair of Loud County Council when, uh, in June when it seems John Martin disregarded the Local Reform Act and the CEO pulled a motion unilaterally without any consultation whatsoever with the chairperson or with the elected councillors. In my role as chairman, I have to form a balance between the councillors and with the um, the executive branch of Logos Hardy. That's what I have to do. Yeah. But first and foremost, I'm representative of the, of the, the councillors. First and foremost. But if the role of the chief executive is to advise and assist, did the chief executive not act outside of her role and step outside of her remit and undermine the reserved function that councillors have? I think that, that, that could be said. So I made the point previously about the role of local councillors, like mm. the roles we have. I mean, like you referred to reserved functions and um, if we're not allowed to forward motions or questions because they're considered um, an annoyance, what role do we have going forward? If we continue to lose already, if we but it's a matter, it's a, road powers. But it's a matter of law. Well, yes, that's the point. We either have powers or we don't in different areas. It's a, a pu- uh, peculiar story. Uh, it seems uh, a most uh, peculiar story. Uh, and uh, the questions today remain: What motivated the CEO to pull that motion? Uh, perhaps uh, there will uh, be some way of understanding um, what the thinking was uh, when the freedom of information request is responded to appropriately. Uh, But uh, as we've been hearing, a four-month investigation into how Louth County Council dealt with that request has concluded and found uh, against the council that it it didn't do the proper searches. It it didn't uh, do what it, it is meant to do under the law and has to do a fresh search for us. Margaret, thank you indeed uh, for your WhatsApp message to the programme uh, this morning. She's saying, did you see the little boy in Gaza on the news last night? He was about seven. He was looking for his father and his brother and couldn't find them. How would any of us sleep after that? How can any society justify this horror? It's really getting harder and harder to watch, isn't it? Particularly now that they've uh, gone into the south uh, where they told people to go to flee to for safety. Uh, but as I say, Margaret, thank you indeed uh, for your message. If you'd like to make comment on our programme today, our telephone number is 0419832000. You can text or WhatsApp us 0861800658 is our text and WhatsApp number. That's 0861800658. And you can email michael at lmfm.ie. Michael at lmfm.ie. The Michael Reed Show with AirGrid, managing and developing the national electricity grid so that it's fit for our current needs and ready for our future ones. Now, as you probably are aware, the Pope isn't well. Sadly, I am unable to be present with you as I had greatly desired. Now, that is Cardinal Secretary of State Pietro Parolin, who appeared at the COP28 summit in place of Pope Francis, who, as mentioned, was too unwell to attend in person. But he had this important message. Now, more than ever, the future of us all depends on the present that we now choose. 
The destruction of the environment is an offense against God, not only personal, but also structural, one that greatly endangers all human beings, especially the most vulnerable in our midst, and threatens to unleash a conflict between generations. We must answer now these questions. Are we working for a culture of life or a culture of death? To all of you, I make this heartfelt appeal. Let us choose life. Let us choose the future. Yet a world completely connected like ours today should not be unconnected by those who govern it with international negotiations that cannot make significant progress due to positions taken by countries which place their national interests above the global common good. Now, as I say, that is a representative of Pope Francis, Cardinal Secretary of State Pietro Parolin, uh, who was speaking at the COP28 summit in Dubai. We'll hear more from uh, that summit later in the programme as well. Very inter- uh, interesting interaction between former President Mary Robinson and uh, indeed uh, the head of Dubai. As I say, we'll be hearing that a, a little bit later on in the programme. If you'd like to make comment today, 0419832000 our number text or WhatsApp 0861800658 email michael at lmfm.ie Call Michael now 0419832000 The Michael Reed Show brought to you by Airgrid managing and planning the national grid so that everyone has electricity when and where they need it uh, we turn our attention to Haggardstown and Black Rock, where local people have come together and uh, formed a community forum. Shane McGuinness has come into studio to tell us uh, a little bit more about this, uh, because I, I think it's true to say, Shane, uh, that you expected a handful of people to turn up, but about 90 people turned up, and there was a long list of grievances uh, that people have in the area. Yeah. Yes, Michael, thanks for uh, having me in. Um, yes, uh, on the night we had we, we, we organised the public forum um, we opened it out to everybody we invited everyone across social media um, all the stakeholders uh, local schools businesses politicians um, and everybody involved um, and uh, we were a bit overwhelmed I suppose mm. when uh, the, the room started to fill it was sometimes very hard to know mm. how many people how, what type of room you need to get and how many people will arrive because it's a cold you know, winter's yeah, night and a wedding's tonight. Mm, yeah. um, a, lo- a lovely part of the world, though, by anyone's standards. But uh, people had uh, a l- list of concerns and things they weren't happy with. Do people generally feel uh, that it's a part of the county that's been neglected? Yes. I mean, I think to start with, um, when Haggerstown Tidy Towns was set up about three years ago uh, in the middle of, um, you know, COVID, um, we, we, we have a very successful Tidy Towns in Black Rock. Uh, and Haggardstown kind of felt a little bit left out. So we set it up and um, it was overwhelming the, 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 the amount of people that got involved. Um, and then when I started to get in touch with different people and stakeholders around doing bits of projects around Haggardstown, I soon realised that uh, there's not a lot of public land there to use for things, that for projects we wanted to do. So um, with my communications with the council and people involved, um, I got to know a lot of things mm. around what happens, the planning, the zoning map is a very important map that we go by. And because Blackrock and Haggerstown are so close to Dundalk, it is now 
a part of the town. Mm. So um, it's something we have to be very conscious of. It's a little bit different to the likes of RD or places like that, Dunlear, that are outward. Black Rock and Hagerstown is now a part of the town. And mm. um, so I suppose um, with working with the tidy towns and things like that, we realised that uh, something else was needed. And a document that fell on my lap uh, around April was the Dundalk Local Area Plan, 2024 to 2030. And when I studied it, it was it was it was the county council looking for people to do submissions, hmm. and it's coming out on a draft towards the end of the year yeah. or January. Yeah. It's a statutory so, obligation um, on them to yeah look for such feedback. And I yeah. and I think mm-hmm. n- so many people didn't know about it, hmm. and people didn't realise about it. So I started getting people together and saying we need to put in our submissions. So hmm. I think over a, a weekly a week, maybe fifteen different people put in submissions, which is on public display hmm. in the council, and again. A lot of people that put in submissions were local football clubs, tidy towns, developers, stakeholders, businesses, etc., etc. Because I think what what really came out of the forum last week was the fact that as a lot of people look on Black Rock and Hagerstown has been a, a lovely place, and mm. it is a lovely mm. place to live. I grew up in it, and it's a super lovely area, very Fantastic, friendly, yeah. good atmosphere. Mm. But beneath the cracks there's a lot of problems. Tell me a bit more about the cracks because uh, you're concerned about the maintenance of the roads and the footpaths for that matter or at least the people who attended your forum uh, told you as much. Yeah, mm. yeah, like I mean we have a we have a stretch of of, walk, of pathway of road uh, in on the Rock Road in Black Rock which I think we lost 100,000 of a grant back a year ago and that road, like what's very significant about a stretch of pathway mm. that is missing is that if you know that's an extra 40 or 50 cars maybe going to the school to drop off kids because if you don't have a footpath kids can't walk to school so the on the knock-on effect of footpaths is is is, mm. is massive there's parts of black rock where some of the footpath widths are less than two feet and and, and what do you mean when you say the grant of a hundred thousand euro was lost well i think um the tidy towns um in conjunction with a, some type of a grant i'm not exactly sure but it had run out or time had lapsed okay and they did they weren't mm. able to finish the rock road footpath that's just an example, but the infrastructure, um, you know, the parking in the village is a ma- is a major problem. Uh, there's a lack of a, there's a lack of more amenities. If you look at the zoning map, two thirds of the entire Haggardstown is zoned for business and technology. Look for a green area, a green spot, and all you mm. have is the Geraldines and places like that that are, you know, that yeah. aren't you know mm. so valuable in their own right, uh, yeah. but. Not open to everybody as such. Yeah, and I think mm. maybe I think maybe in the defence of the council, a lot of these zoning maps were done uh, on the previous census. So on the new census, we have a massive, massive area now in Blackrock and Hagerstown where there's, you know, not hundreds of houses, but thousands. Yeah. So playing fields, um, from my kids now probably being involved in Rock Celtic, uh, the Geraldines, Blackrock Running Club, and all these different uh, facilities, they're all screaming out for more space. Mm because there isn't any more space. And you mentioned kids walking to school on the footpath, if there is a footpath, and what do they do otherwise? But like any area that has seen a population explosion, uh, like Black Rock, Hagridstown, uh, there's a shortage of school places. Uh, how bad is that situation? Uh, it's, it's poor now. I mean, I know from another group that I'm involved in, the infrastructure group, that there could be up on 150 children in Black Rock and Hagridstown going to primary schools in Dundalk. Mm. Now, the knock-on effect of that also is traffic and the amount of traffic that's going in. We don't have very good bus routes. We don't have a, a good facility. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Ability for buses through Haggardstown. Uh, so when you have no footpaths and you have no mm. bus routes, you've got much more people using cars, you know, and in a time when we're trying to, you know, reduce our carbon put- footprint and things like that, mm. th- these are fundamental problems okay. that we have within within the the, the community. But you know? is it that children have to go to school in Dundalk uh, because there just isn't space for them? Uh, there's, it, it, it's probably because there's a lot of new estates being built in Hagerstown and Blackrock and people have been moving out mm. to them but not being able to get places. I think a secondary school is something that we're crying out for. Mm. Like, you have to understand, there's close to 13,000 people mm. in Blackrock and Hagerstown. Like, that's that's massive. It's a yeah. massive area. Yeah. And, um, and I think it's far bigger than a, a lot of towns in the country. But uh, if you live in... Blackrock, Haggardstown, Dundalk. Uh, you're a suburb, really, of Dundalk, as you said at the outset. Uh, you probably see your children or possibly see your children go to school there uh, and you will most likely go to Dundalk to do your shopping. Yeah, and I think that's what... Um, when 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 a, a small group from Blackrock asked me to come over, I was after doing an article in the Argus and I was pretty outspoken about the whole community and mm. they asked me to come over to um, discuss a, a, a planning um, situation that they had and I helped them out. And I, I, I realised that what, what's actually needed is a Hagerstown and Blackrock community forum mm. where people can write into them, email into them, um, get them to help them and support them. Uh, I mean, I don't think anybody's anti more houses or anybody's anti-population. I think the concern is that there's just gonna be, there could possibly be a social problem down the line if we keep building houses and we mm. keep building... And, you know, if you think of a simple development of 500 houses... You know, you're looking at an extra four and a half thousand journeys a day on a road. Mm. Um, that's quite phenomenal. And yeah. then if you think of 2,000 houses mm. and you think of another six or 7,000 more people, um, we just don't have the infrastructure. Yeah. And if the amenities aren't there, um, you're looking at the potential for problems. Uh, just one other issue, uh, briefly, uh, there was concern about sewage, was there? Yeah, that was brought up at the, at the forum. Um, and I think um, there has been a number of articles from the EPA um, around the capacity for sewage um, in County Louth, I think, from a couple of articles that come out. But there is a problem. We have a pumping station down at the the, the, the foot of the Fane River 
and uh, um, I, you know, it's 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 overloaded, and you know, you you put more houses into the situation, you have a, you're you're going to have a sewage problem, and and I mean, I think it's 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 pretty. Mm. It, People realise that it, this this sewage has possibly been pumped yeah. out into the sea mm. because we can't cope, okay. and um, and I think that's that's public knowledge. Mm. Um, so again, it's about making people know what's going on. Mm. It's about having a forum there that people can email or write into us, yeah. and it's about us possibly writing to different stakeholders and looking for information, and looking for looking to see what we can mm. do. Because in some some instances, um, you know, we probably know and know what's needed. Mm-hmm. more than anyone else is the people that's actually living there. Okay, well, I'm sure people know where you are, Seamus, if uh, they uh, wish to join the forum, but thank you indeed uh, for coming into us. Okay, uh, Michael, thank, thank you, you too. That's uh, Shane McGuinness uh, of the Hagridstown and Blackrock Community Forum. Now, just to remind you that if you'd like to make comment on our programme today, our phone lines are open and we would love to hear from you. You can ring us on 0419832000. You can text or WhatsApp 0861800658 Email Michael at lmfm.ie. Call Michael now. 0419832000. The Michael Reed Show, brought to you by Airgrid, managing and planning the national grid so that everyone has electricity when and where they need it. Well, as I'm sure you've heard at this stage, uh, Sinn Féin is uh, to table a motion of no confidence in uh, the Minister for Justice, Helen McEntee. Let's speak uh, to Sinn Féin TD, Louise O'Reilly, and a very good morning to you, and thanks uh, for joining us on the programme uh, this morning. Why has your party decided to table this motion in Helen McEntee now? Well, to be honest, Michael, we, we really felt like we were left with no other option. Um, that, that we've been forced to put the motion down. We, you know, what we witnessed in our capital city um, on Thursday, not last Thursday, but the Thursday before the 23rd of November was um, absolutely shocking, um, really, really shocking. And I think it, it represented a, a number of things. But the, the minister was very, was wholly inadequate in her response. Uh, it took a long time for her to come out. She hasn't still even... At this remove, and we're 10, 12 days since uh, since it happened, she hasn't acknowledged that there was a loss of control within um, our capital city. What we saw when we looked, and a lot of this we saw on social media, some of us were, were in town and, and saw it at first hand, but we saw a lo- the fight of a lone Garda on O'Connell Street uh, trying to, to fight off um, people on, on all sides of him. That was very, very scary. And yet the minister seems to, to claim she didn't see this coming. Um, I, I think she's mm. probably very much in the minority in that. Uh, a lot of people did see uh, sort of a, an incident like this coming. But even on the day, uh, there was that horrific, horrific stabbing in Parnell Square. That happened at half past one. You know, people were on their phones organising and agitating very, very within an hour of that happening. You know, and yet the minister seems to, to want everyone to believe that somehow she was blindsided by this. To, to me, uh, the resources that are there currently left our guardie very, very badly exposed. And I think, uh, you know, for that reason, it would be hard for anyone to express confidence in this Minister for Justice. You're not concerned that Sinn Féin is out of step with public opinion on this. Uh, I'm sure you saw the Sunday Independent uh, poll yesterday, 54% of uh, people surveyed believe the minister should not resign. 40% believe she should. Well, yeah, that's that's one poll and that's a snapshot in time. But, you know, 
these are issues that we have been raising with the government now for months and directly with the minister. Like I've met with representatives of business in Dublin City and they tell me that they have also been trying to raise issues directly with the minister uh, in relation to safety. During the summer, we launched a document on what we believe needs to happen to uh, to keep Dublin City safe, Dublin City and County safe. We launched our proposals in that regard. And as part of that, we went into the inner city. We talked to uh, business owners. We talked to people who come in and out to town every day. I talked uh, particularly to retail workers. I sat down with them and I spoke to them at length. And they were telling me they were very fearful. Uh, at that time, they didn't feel safe. And the response of the minister was simply to, to walk down a portion of Talbot Street and declare Dublin is safe. And then we didn't hear from her again. You know, this is not something that happened overnight. And this is not something that can be captured uh, in in one, uh, you know, in, in just one, one issue. But I think mm. we do need to uh, to look at this in the round. We do need to look at the fact that We've had 12 years of Fine Gael Justice Ministers. There are fewer Garda stations than when they first came into office. There are fewer, uh, fewer uh, Garda on the beat, 450 fewer Garda on the beat in Dublin uh, than there was in 2009. I mean, mm. th- those figures and those statistics speak for themselves, and yet the Minister seems incapable of recognising there's a okay. problem. But if that poll is correct, you are out of step with public opinion, and do you believe that that is the reason why you've taken a, a drop in the polls? Well, I think, you know, it's, it's true to say polls go up and polls go down, but the only thing that has been consistent in the polls since the last general election is that Sinn Féin has been returned in all of these polls as consistently the most popular party. Mm. As but you, you don't dismiss a three-point uh, drop out of well. hand, do you? We don't dismiss anything out of hand, Michael. No, we, we take all intelligence information. But, you know, we also are out on the ground in our community. We regularly do door-to-door canvases. We regularly do stalls. We listen to people in our own community. You know, we hear what they what they are saying, and we take that feedback as well. So, you know, like all political parties, we don't rely solely on what we read uh, in the polls and the newspapers. We mm. also do, uh, you know, we do our own canvassing. We're out, we're, we're on the ground. We're very active in our communities, and we take that feedback, and we take it very seriously. You were criticised by the Minister and others in the Dáil for showing a print-off of a photograph of an identifiable person, a vulnerable person who had soiled himself and was lying on the ground outside of the Gale Skull in Parnell Square. Do you regret that? Well, I want to say to you that the person in that photograph was not identifiable. Their face was not visible. And what I wanted to show uh, with that picture was that a mere few days after uh, children and their carer had been stabbed in the school when the parents and the, the went to collect their kids, this is the site that they were greeted with. Mm. So anybody can go and, and should, or the politicians should go and talk to the parents. I've spoken to my party mm. leader, Mary Lou MacDonald. She'd been in touch with the parents. They felt that, you know, that was a very visible manifestation of the fact that there just are not any Gardaí around. Now, you know, it's true to say you couldn't post a Garda at the door of a school and nobody, that wouldn't be normal. That mm. just would not be normal. But what happened in the environment... Do you know anything... School, three, children, mm. three children were stabbed and their carer, you know, and, and yeah. a mere couple of days later, they come out, to, the parents go down mm. to collect their kids and they look around and they say, look, there's no Garda presence here. And that mm. is a, a, a very... 
that is a manifestation of that. Okay. And the parents are very upset. Do you know anything uh, about that man? Uh, I mean, other than uh, he's somebody who obviously has problems in his own life. Well, what I, did, what I do know is that there is open street drinking in that mm. area. This has been raised a, a number of times okay. at local level, I know, by our councillors and, and also by my party leader. And that is a manifestation of a lack of Gardaí. And that was, was the intention, was to show that there is a lack of Gardaí mm. in that area. Okay. And while there might have been attention mm. on that area for a while, unfortunately, as soon as the, uh, as soon as the attention was focused elsewhere, they went back to, to business okay. as usual in that area. Okay. And, you know, yeah. the parents but I, I'm told that... Say, I'm told that I, they don't feel safe collecting their kids from school. That's not, that's okay. not fair. They, okay. they want a visible guard of presence. But also, and you know... Just to, get, to get back to the, the politics of this... Well, just, just, just to say with that man, if I can, for a moment... If you have 450 fewer Gardaí okay. on the streets than you had in 2009, while at the same time the population has increased, it's okay. more Gardaí that we need, not fewer. OK, fewer-guard. if I can go back to that man who had soiled himself outside uh, of uh, a hostel or who was close to a hostel, uh, um, I understand that that man um, stayed in that hostel most times, uh, but after... Uh, the events of the day uh, he was asked to leave the hostel. Does that concern you? I'm not aware of that, Michael. And, you know, what I did, what we had intended to do, and I think what was very obvious, was to show a a visual representation of the fact that there is no guard of presence at and around the school. Nobody expected that a guard would be stationed at the school door. That's not possible, that's not normal, and, and nobody would expect that. But a guard of presence in the area, I think, is not too much to expect, not least because mm. three mm. children and their carer were stabbed. Yeah. And, you know, it I is. Can, I can understand the point. I'm sure everybody can understand the point uh, and all of the points that Sinn Fein are making. Nobody liked what happened uh, in uh, Dublin uh, on that uh, Thursday night that we'll remember probably uh, for the rest of our our lives. Um, But uh, you're going to lose this debate. Uh, The government, uh, you know, before you even start, the government uh, will table its own counter motion Mm -hmm. in support of uh, the minister. That will be voted on and the government will win the vote. But that's not necessarily so. I mean, you know, people can choose to vote um, to, to vote no confidence in uh, Minister McEntee. They can look at the evidence, they can look at the facts, they can look at the record and they can make their decision on that basis. You know, we have already heard, uh, albeit anonymously, uh, that there are plenty of people within the government who are not happy with the performance of this minister and they will have an opportunity uh, to voice those concerns if they, uh, you know, if, if they have them when uh, the vote is tabled tomorrow. Okay. Uh, are you uh, concerned uh, about uh, Dublin being a safe place for v- people to visit uh, or uh, if people listening to us uh, this morning across Loud and Meath uh, wanted to go up uh, to do their shopping or whatever it is, just go out maybe to a show or a few drinks uh, as people will over the Christmas, uh, would you advise them against it? Absolutely not. Dublin City is very much open for business, Michael. Um, and there is, on foot of what had happened, a knee-jerk reaction from the, from the government. There are now resources um, within Angarda Siakana that are going to be deployed to, to Dublin for the next while. What the concern is, um, that's not just my concern, but it's mm. also shared by, uh, by business people and workers who work in, in Dublin City Centre, is that uh, this will only last to the end of the year and they're concerned about what will happen in the new year because there doesn't seem to be any long-term 
sustainable uh, policing plan for Dublin mm. coming from this government. What we have instead is uh, a knee-jerk reaction, just as we had in August when there was a high-profile um, incident involving a tourist in just off of Talbot Street. Uh, the minister responded with a €10 million Euro for overtime. Yeah. Um, now we do see a response from uh, from the, the senior members of Angarda Siakana and a response mm. from the minister, a response to those riots. But, you know, and I will tell you very clearly, Dublin City is, is safe, it is open for business, but we do need a long-term plan to ensure that uh, that policing in Dublin mm. City is put on a sustainable and there's no telling and what not the, left to rely on overtime. It, it, it's no, there's no telling what these far-right agitators will do next, is there? Uh, the worst well, headline... They should be, Michael, uh, the, because they should be mm. monitoring the channels that, that these people are communicating on. The okay. intelligence should be... Uh, sufficient to to be able to let us know at least uh, you know somewhat in yeah. advance what might uh, what they might be planning. I know, but you know? The, but that could be anything. The worst headline uh, I've seen, or the most upsetting headline uh, I've seen, and it did. It really uh, mm. took me aback reading it on Saturday in the Irish Independent. Armed guardy on patrol at Taoiseach's home, part of response to Dublin mayhem. Other units will guard mosques, refugee centres and synagogues. What? That's very shocking. What sort of a country are we living in if we have to... Well, you know, I mean, we need to also not lose sight of the fact that the vast, 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 vast majority of people uh, in this state are decent people who just want to be able to go about their daily lives um, in with, you know, safely and securely. It is the job of the government to provide that political leadership and ensure that people um, not just are safe, but that they feel safe. You know, and the, the government need to look at the fact that what makes people feel safe is a visible guard of presence. You know, that, that, that is absolutely essential. And yet again this year, they will fail to hit their recruitment targets for members of Angarda Siakana. And I do think they need to listen to rank and file Gardaí to what they are saying in terms of, you know, is it an attractive job at the moment? For many, it's not. Why are mm. so many people leaving? Is an exit interview done with every single one of those? Do senior people in the Gardaí, are they briefing the minister on the reasons why there is, um, you know, a high mm. number of resignations from Angarda Siakana? That's that, that, that's very mm. much against what, what would have been the run of play previously. It was always seen as a job for life. You know, mm. you started young and you continued for the entirety of your career. Now we see, um, you know, increasing numbers of people resigning from Angarda mm. Siakana. They need to be looking at that. You know, the, the minister should be well briefed on why mm. that is happening. And, you know, if there is a pattern, how that, you know, there can be an intervention that will ensure that that, uh, that we have a good stable, um, you know, a high number yeah. of guardians, but also a, a, a stable number in terms of turnover as well. But, but am, am I right in thinking that if we're to feel safe in this country, there's a cohort of people that must be arrested and imprisoned? I mean, we don't want to live in a police state. We want to live in a democracy. We want free speech. We want uh, the right uh, to uh, gather together and so on. But... I mean, if we're talking about sending armed police to mosques and synagogues and refugee centres, we really have a, a problem that needs draconian, uh, a draconian approach, does it not? Well, I think what, you know, what we do need is, is 
simply more Gardaí and you know they, and and also investments in those communities who feel that they have been left behind. If you talk to people in North Inner City Dublin, they will tell you that they uh, they do feel like that they and their community have been left behind uh, mm. by successive Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil governments. They don't feel like their voices are being heard. You know, we do need to uh, ensure that people, as I say, not just are safe, which is really important, but also that people feel safe and that they can see members of Angarda Siakana on patrol in their communities. That's something that has been lost under successive Fine Gael Justice Ministers and it's something that we do need, really do need uh, to return to. And again, community policing, Gardaí on the ground, that's where that, uh, that intelligence is picked up. That's where you pick up what's happening in the community. Gardaí don't have time to do that at the moment because mm. there's simply not enough of them. OK, well, your motion is tabled for debate tomorrow, but because uh, there will be a government counter motion, it'll be voted on tomorrow as well, won't it? OK, interesting stuff. And I think uh, everybody will be watching it very closely. Thank you indeed for joining us uh, this morning. Sinn Féin TD, Louise O'Reilly. 086-1800-658 The Michael Reed Show, brought to you by Airgrid. Managing and planning the national grid so that everyone has electricity when and where they need it. Well, we've been reporting uh, this morning on how Louth County Council seems to have shown disregard for two pieces of legislation, two acts of law. That is uh, the Local Government Reform Act and the Freedom of Information Act. In the second instance, uh, the Information Commissioner has uh, finalised a decision after a four-month investigation which has told Loud County Council to go back and look for records properly because the Information Commissioner is not satisfied with how the Council acted and if it was in line with the Act. In fact, I think it's clear to say that it's seen as a breach of the Act. There's no doubt about that because the Council should have discovered all of the documents it had in relation to a motion that was tabled in June we know that it didn't discover those documents because we've loads more documents that it has. Uh, anyway, let's uh, speak uh, to Damien O'Farrell, who's uh, not just uh, a victim of uh, child abuse at the hands of Christian brothers, not just somebody who represents other people who were abused by Christian brothers, but also a Dublin city councillor and has a, a fair understanding of uh, the Local Government Act uh, and I presume of uh, the Freedom of Information Act. Uh, because Damien O'Farrell, if we go back to the motion in June, uh, which would have seen Louth County Council right to the Christian brothers, condemning their legal strategy, which stops men who were abused as little boys from accessing justice, and it would have rescinded the freedom of information, or it would, I beg your pardon, would have uh, rescinded the freedom of Drogheda from Brother Edmund Garvey. If we go back to then, uh, you had said that it was your belief uh, that the CEO of Louth County Council had breached the Local Government Reform Act because she acted outside of her remit in pulling the motion without consulting with the councillors. Yes, Michael, that, that's my understanding of the, the Local Government Reform Act 2014, that the, the, the role and function of the CEO is to advise and assist. And we heard on your programme there yeah. uh, that the, the mayor, or, or sorry, the Caherlock of Loud County Council, last year's Caherlock, Conor Keelan, quite clearly saying that he, that he wasn't consulted and it was against his wishes. So that's a clear breach of the Local Government Act. Um, that's and, remarkable, and, isn't it? It is remarkable. For a local government to breach the Local Government Act. Yeah, it, it, it is remarkable, but I'm not surprised. 
Um, I'm not surprised, to be honest. It's a total lack of regard for the councillors, Councillor Maeve Yor, who, t- who took the stand on behalf of victims. And this, at the back of all this, there's, there's victims, there's men who've been sexually abused by Christian brothers. That's at the back of this. And these, these men were trying to get some justice through the courts. And by choices made by Brother Garvey, that was, they weren't being allowed to. So this is at the back of that. So it's a total dis- lack of regard for, for councillors, for the public, and for the victims. And the needs of Brother Garvey were put ahead of the needs of the victims of sexual abuse. And that's the reality. Mm. But uh, one of the reasons I'm not surprised is we have councillors in Drada that were sending a very strong message to the CEO that they didn't regard these victims. They didn't regard these victims of abuse. In a year, they wouldn't meet them. So James Byrne wouldn't return calls, wouldn't meet, wouldn't talk, wouldn't discuss to any of the, any of the victims, any of the victims of sexual abuse. Um, Eileen Tully, the mayor, she wouldn't speak to any of the victims either. She totally just ignore them. The mayor of Drada, just ignoring these victims. Kevin Callan, ignoring the victims as well. He had plenty to say. He's slagging them off, telling them that they were turning the Loud County Council into a kangaroo court. When we've seen today now from the... the, the, the the message from the Freedom of Information, the commissioner, then that that wasn't the case at all. Um, Declan Power, the same. Like, they should be ashamed of themselves. That, that's, and that sends a very strong message to the CEO that the councillors, those councillors certainly had no regard for the victims. And then we have another councillor, P.O. Smith, coming along. And on this programme, he, he calls out a named, he called out and named a victim of attempted rape and abuse and he blames them for this. He blames them for the continuation of the of the litigation strategy of the brothers. I mean, where I mean, and he's still a councillor. He should be absolutely ashamed of himself. And and I, and I he wouldn't. Just, he, just to mention, we'll give a, a right of a reply to each yeah. of uh, the councillors yeah. uh, that you've named there. Yeah, and and I really, what we really need needs to happen, I believe, is uh, the CEO Joan Martin. She needs to come in here and explain her position. Come into the come into your program and talk about this and and put forward what 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 her what her belief is because it, she actually delayed the victims first contact of the councillors um, last October last October and for the for the CEO to come along then and give advice then to the councillors and say it, the decision that their decision they'd be taking about the rescindment may be ultra vires which means maybe without authority a year after they were first asked to come along and they still didn't know it either is ultra varies it is with authority or it isn't but the fact that it may be it's just not acceptable it's totally unprofessional it's not acceptable and it's it's totally disregarding the councillors the councillors the elected members the public and the victims it's disregarding and it could seem to be in the absence of natural justice if any of those councillors um, had met the councillors that I named if they'd met the victims they would know that it the, Brother Garvey got plenty of natural justice. I wrote to Brother Garvey over a year ago, telling him that we were starting all this. And he wrote back to me and he thanked me for my courtesy. But he had a different view altogether. He didn't believe that there was any obstruction. He didn't believe, you know. And then mm. this train of... And that started. was his belief. And, yes, and he's uh, entitled to that. Yeah, and uh, he uh, did nothing wrong legally. No. Uh, no. Everything Brother Garvey did was legally sound. Absolutely. And that has to be said. Yeah. And he got uh, and uh, everything the councillors did was legally yeah. sound. Uh, and the councillors were always entitled to vote in line with their conscience. And I think that's what you've always said. Yes. But you wanted to speak to them. You wanted them to speak to the victim 
referendums before they Absolutely. made up their minds. Yeah, it's, yeah. demo- it's a democracy and you'd respect their vote. And the voting has nothing to do with this. Mm. It's that the fact that those councillors, James Byrne, Eileen Tully, Kevin Callan and Declan Power, would not meet with the victims in a year, from October to September, just ignored them completely. People, your listeners, if there's any listeners out there that have suffered abuse or... Um, you know, I've had people, one in four people in the country and uh, their family members. And these people went to these councillors to, to, to get an ear, to try and get some. Uh, they didn't get natural justice. And we're worried about Brother Garvey's natural justice. Na- mm. Brother Garvey made choices himself and his actions brought great shame on this on this town. And the councillors voted democratically to, to not recognise his freedom anymore. Mm. But the victims didn't get natural justice for the last year. They weren't listened to and they would expect the mayor, Eileen Tully, the mayor of Drada, to give two minutes of her time. They were they were prepared to travel up to her house to see mm. her. They were prepared. They came up to Drada. They booked a hotel to mm. see her. Just 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 totally ignored. Never once did she get back to them. Never once. She never got back to your show. She wouldn't comment. Uh, Kevin Callan wouldn't mm-hmm. come on this show about it. He was happy enough to go up to Dublin and go on to RTE and talk to the people up in Dublin about this. But he wouldn't talk to the people of Drada. He wouldn't talk to the victims up here. The main victim, um, uh, one of the main victims, uh, Ken Ken Grace, he's actually, his mother, uh, he's actually from Loud. His family are from Loud. He wouldn't, he wouldn't speak to, to that man. Mm. It's just, I'm just, it's just shameful. But look, they, they did get their... Um, yeah, but uh, let, let, let's back up a, a second. Yeah. Uh, because <clears throat> last week, uh, I think it was on Monday, we were told Brother Edmund Garvey was suing Loud County Council. Yeah. Uh, come Wednesday, uh, he had changed his mind uh, but perhaps there is an opinion because law is very complicated uh, yeah. that the motion may have defamed him. Yeah, I'd say um, in September, uh, Brother Garvey was probably listening to Kevin Callan and he probably thought maybe he'll take a judicial review. I mean, it's an absolutely crazy that uh, it's the, it shows the lack of humility of the man that he would think that he could take a, um, a judicial review when he really should be addressing the needs of the victims. But he was probably listening to Kevin Callan uh, who tells me that he's a barrister um, last September. But then I think when he put it down then and he realised the folly of it and the absolute waste of money and laughing stock and, and actually just bringing back mm. more attention to him yeah. on himself, I'd say he changed his mind pretty quickly. Yeah, uh, I want to ask you another question now because uh, you, you wear a couple of hats, if you like. Yeah, speaking. Yeah. One of them is uh, as uh, an elected councillor to Dublin City. Mm. Uh, how would Dublin City Council react to this? And the reason I'm asking you that is because earlier this morning we spoke uh, to Seamus Dooley of the National Union of Journalists who said uh, it's a significant ruling against Loud County Council but there is no sanction there is no consequence for them having breached the act. So uh, what do you think would happen uh, at Dublin City Council level if the local authority had breached a piece of legislation like this? Well, first of all, I'd imagine, uh, first of all, uh, in fairness to the, uh, whatever you think about the RCEO, Owen Keegan, he's recently retired, whatever you think about him, he'd be happy enough to go onto the radio and state his case. Absolutely, he would. But we'd have a special meeting. And we'd put the CEO in front of us and we'd question the CEO in front of the press and in front of the public. You know, that, that's what we do because they're answerable um, and, and that we have to make them accountable. We make the officials accountable. I mean, that's what would happen. And every, every I'd imagine mo- this will happen in this case. I would imagine that will happen. Um, mm. I'd imagine that the councillors are very annoyed uh, of the lack of regard shown to them, uh, shown to Maeve York, very brave councillor, the lack of regard showed to her. 
Um, and, and I imagine that will happen, that they will have a special meeting, possibly, mm. and they will bring the, the CEO in and they'll question her and it, and it will be in public. Mm. And uh, I mean, I believe that she says that the, the, the decision made may be ultra various. I've no doubt that if there is legal advice saying that it was ultra various, it was, we would see that advice. Mm. If there was legal advice out there saying that they could not do this, mm. we would see it. Okay. So I would be shocked. Well, that's why we put in the Freedom of Information request to mm. try and find out what the motivation for pulling the motion was because it makes absolutely no sense. Uh, the legal advice, as Conor Keelan explains, was, was showed to them a month previously, wasn't showed to them then. Uh, the motion was pulled. Uh, another motion then went to the council in July, not dissimilar, um, and suddenly wasn't defamatory. And then suddenly uh, another motion went to the borough councillors in Drogheda actually voted to rescind the freedom of uh, Drogheda. Uh, so we were trying to understand what the motivation for pulling the motion was in, in June uh, but of course <laughs> we didn't get the documents uh, the, uh, for whatever reason uh, that was uh, I, I take it it's impossible to guess what the motivation would have been. Well I, it's, it's more regard for the needs of uh, Brother Garvey over the needs of the victims and it's a lack of respect to the councillors. They, they just want due process. Uh, mm. Councillor Mayfior deserved due process and, and she didn't get it. And it was delayed then. And the yeah. only people mm. who suffered then were, were the victims. Yeah, It was delayed by like a year, really. Mm. It should have been sorted out last October, but mm. then it could have been sorted out in May or June or April. Okay. And then it finally mm. wasn't sorted out till September. But I actually mm. tried to make a complaint under the sta- Standards in Public Office, SIPO. Mm. And I contact, in order to do that, before you contact SIPO, you have to contact the council to see what they say. And I got a, I got a reply back from the council from, from a person who presented themselves at the mm. ethics officer. You know, yeah. so that's mm. who I would deal with. But this same person um, was also sent, a, sent an email into your show basically saying that he was satisfied with the procedures that they kind of... So that, that, to me, that's not fair. How would I deal with somebody that's, that's already given an opinion right. about this and yeah. he's the ethics officer dealing with my complaint? Right. It's just, it's just very unprofessional. Yeah. It's, it's very hard to... Improper uh, procedure. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And no regard for the public. And yeah. if your listeners I, are, are listening to this. It's no regard for the public because well, that's I, what elections are about. That's I, what public reps are about. I can put my hand in my heart and tell you that I would be very surprised if Joan Martin isn't listening to this now. And if the CEO of Loud County Council isn't listening to this at this second in time, she certainly will be reading a transcript of it uh, later. So I might ask you uh, to address uh, the CEO. Uh, but I also want to mention that all of uh, the councillors in Louth were informed of uh, this particular story about the Freedom of Information Act yesterday, uh, as indeed all of uh, the Oireachtas members in County Louth were. And a meeting is taking place today between Joan Martin, the CEO, and the members of uh, the Oireachtas in County Louth. A number of of them have said they will raise it with uh, Joan Martin. So undoubtedly there'll be questions about this today and there may be some answers tomorrow. But what have you got to say to Joan Martin today? You need, to, you need to really explain your actions. You need to explain your actions in a public forum in the council to the councillors. I mean, the fact that we, we heard Councillor Keenan earlier, the mayor of, of the mayor, he's the, the councillor of the, the members, not the CEO, the council members. And he, as the, as the mayor, when he's making an important reserve function, he wasn't shared this legal advice. I mean, that is just, I've never heard the likes of that. In my 15 years as a councillor, I've never heard the likes of that. We, we've often, if there's very sensitive stuff in, maybe one councillor would go into a room and read it. 
and we would take that, you know, if it be the chair or the Lord Mayor, then we would take that person's word. You know, they would say what happened. And I understand that they're sensitive stuff, but not to share that with the mayor. Mm. So it's unprecedented with the, with the Kerlock. So I, I'd like her look, to come on to your yeah. show. What, what's the, what's there to hide? Okay, well, <clears throat> there's an open invitation to Joan Martin to come on to the programme if uh, that is what she wishes uh, to do. As we mentioned at the beginning of uh, the programme, Louth County Council says it has no statement on this matter at the moment and it is considering what actions need to be taken in light of the decision from uh, the Information Commissioner. We're going to leave it there for the moment, Damien. Thank you indeed for coming in to us uh, this morning, as always. Uh, and uh, just to mention uh, again that if any of uh, the councillors named in the programme today feel uh, that uh, they are entitled to a right to reply. Uh, we'd be more than delighted to, to afford that to them. And uh, uh, if any of the councillors, for that matter, have any thoughts uh, on this that they wish to share with us, we'd be very interested to hear what they are as well. Thank you, Damien, as I say. Damien O'Farrell, uh, who represents men who, as little boys, were abused and raped by Christian brothers. Michael at lmfm.ie the Michael Reed Show with AirGrid, managing and developing the national electricity grid so that it's fit for our current needs and ready for our future ones. Now let's uh, hear more from COP28. Uh, we heard from the spokesperson for Pope Francis earlier in the programme, but former President Mary Robinson uh, was involved in a Zoom meeting last week with Sultan al-Jabber uh, where they debated climate change and indeed that Zoom meeting was only published yesterday by the Guardian newspaper. It is remarkable to listen to the interaction between the two of them. We can hear just a little bit of it now. Can I come in at this stage um, to say, Sultan, I'm, I'm really yeah. pleased that you did accept the invitation that I extended to you when we were together in Beijing with the Friends of the Paris Agreement to take part in this summit. Um, I think one urgent message has come through in the entire day of the summit. I've heard it at every session, I think. And that is that we're in an absolute crisis that is hurting women more than anyone, women and children, the elderly, uh, those with disability, etc., and and those most vulnerable. And it's because we have not yet committed to phasing out fossil fuel. That is the one decision that COP28 can take under your presidency. And in many ways, because you're head of the Abu Dhabi um, National Oil Company, you could actually take it with more credibility uh, by saying, I now recognize we have to phase out fossil fuel with just transition for the workers and their communities and just transition into uh, renewable, uh, accessible, affordable, uh, clean energy. Um, it, it's not going to happen overnight, as you say. It will be orderly but urgent. I didn't hear the word urgent enough in your voice when you spoke earlier. That's why I kind of interrupted. I said fast track. I'm not sure what urgent means. A fast track is not good enough. Fast track is, um, you know, is, it can be more of a managerial term. Uh, urgency is crisis, crisis mode. Yeah, yeah. We can we can always play with words here. Um, you are a good politician, and you know how to use words better than I do. I'm a businessman. I am centered around delivery and actions. But will you will you, will you lead on phasing out, phasing out fossil fuel with just transition, as I've as I've said. You can, you can you can you can you can take the lead. I'll make sure. I put you as an item on the agenda and I'll adopt it. Someone has to take the lead. You are a developed, uh, you come from a developed country. Developed countries, I'm sure, can take the lead like they always do. And uh, lead by example. You can lead by example. And like I said from the beginning, 
I accepted to come to this uh, to this meeting to have a sober and a mature uh, conversation. Uh, we do not. I'm not in any way signing up to any discussion that is alarmist. I am here factual, and I respect the science. And there is no science uh, out there, or no scenario out there that says that the phase out of fossil fuel is what's going to achieve 1.5. 1.5 is my north star, and a phase down and a phase out of fossil fuel, in my view, is inevitable. It is essential, but we need to be real, serious and pragmatic about it. But the real serious and pragmatic doesn't take into account that we are in. I mean, I, I respect that you've done a lot of hard work preparing for this COP and that you've listened to the science. The science is very acute now. We don't have any time. They say six or seven years. We've got to peak by 2025 which is biased and wrong. I am telling you, I am the man in charge, and it is wrong, ma'am. You need to listen to me. Please, I'm, I'm please, very, for I'm very once. pleased to hear it. I'm very pleased to hear it. It is wrong. You guys are right, a lie, and you believe it. Yeah, well, there you go. That's Sultan Al-Jaber not saying eye to eye with former President Mary Robinson in that interaction that was released by the Guardian newspaper. Some comments before we finish. Does Helen McEntee expect people to walk down the streets of Dublin and be safe? People are terrified. There is no trust left in the minister or the commissioner. They promised in the summer that the streets were safe. They put some extra guards around for a month and that's not good enough. That's Anne who phoned us with that. Ken was on the phone to us today. He says he's personally delighted that Sinn Féin has brought a vote of no confidence against Ham McEntee. This will show the young people exactly what Sinn Féin are like. John says it's a disgrace that Sinn Féin are jumping on the bandwagon. The Gardaí did their best on the day of the incident dealing with multiple incidents around the city while trying to protect a crime scene. The thugs who caused these riots didn't care about any of the victims. They just wanted to cause trouble. Margaret Indrahada says last Thursday week showed the lack of Gardaí and their resources in this country. These people who caused the riots are back out walking the streets again and nothing done. It will happen again unless our justice system toughens up. Uh, Another text uh, from somebody who says Louise O'Reilly is wrong. I worked in that area for the last seven years and there is a strong guard presence from Store Street Guard Station but the person who soiled himself uh, is pretty much the norm in the area. There is much worse going on such as open use of drugs and dealing. Uh, I've spoken to a a member of uh, the Guardian on numerous occasions and they will tell you that there is not a thing that they can do about it. It'll make no difference. Uh, And Sinn Féin can moan about Helen all they like uh, they're not going to change that. Magwai said, Michael, that man lying on the ground on Parnell Street, how many knives or guns or bombs or machetes did he have or display making him a visible threat? Sinn Féin should cop themselves on. And Paddy Duffy says, uh, the day and evening of uh, the riot was brought under control by the frontline Gardaí despite uh, the actions of uh, the Commissioner and not because of it. The Gardaí were completely failed by management and only for their use of WhatsApp 
uh, between themselves, uh, did they get the manpower out to save the day, says Paddy. Thank you indeed uh, for that. We'll make that the final word on the programme today because our time has run out in us once again. With thanks to Brian Farley for researching. Chris Murray was in the control tower. I'm Michael. God willing, we'll see you for our next programme tomorrow morning at 9am right here on LMFM. Good morning. Bye-bye. Listen back to the Michael Reed Show podcast on lmfm.ie or the LMFM app. The Michael Reed Show with AirGrid, managing and developing the national electricity grid so that it's fit for our current needs and ready for our future ones. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.